Welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. I'm your host, John Abrams. I lead Venzi Technologies out of Vancouver, Canada. And my guest again today is Chad Kazmarek, our Senior Director of Operations at Venzi. And Chad, even if you work for a competitor, I would be inviting you on these shows because I learn something from you every time. And the thing that I was saying in our last episode is that we open up a topic and I think, oh, well, we'll cover this in our short segment. And I always feel like we just scratched the surface. So uh, for this episode, we're going to continue from our last where we were setting up this idea that there are three distinct waves of product data Uh, things that describe a product. The first wave emerged around the Berlin Airlift in 1948, and it was uh, embodied in EDI, which is still a viable thing for a lot of the logistics that take place. Logistics are the movement of products uh, around the globe. And then there was a second wave, very distinct also, that was... uh, catalyzed by the emergence of the barcode. So what product attributes do you need in order to identify uniquely a product so it can be scanned and take manual effort out of the supply chain? So the second wave produced the barcode and the companies and academic structures that came together to support the barcode ultimately formed an organization, a nonprofit called GS1, Global Standards One, based in Europe, and still very prolific today. And and one of the corollaries to GS1 is that back in 1974, when the barcode first uh, came on the scene, they needed a place to synchronize the product attributes that described a product so you could identify it uniquely and put a barcode on it. Because if all barcodes were the same. You couldn't check out uh, at the grocery store a bottle of water any different than a case of milk. So uh, barcodes are uniquely uh, tagged to the individual product and the product size and, and all of that. Very much a consensus-based organization. You vote, essentially, to get a product attribute adopted by GS1. It takes a long time. It's a lot of effort. But it's very important. What's interesting about this second wave in 1974, the very foundation of how do you know that a barcode can be unique in this country versus this other country was the formation of a database that had to be synchronized because back in the 70s, the idea of a database, A, was pretty unique. Not a lot of companies or organizations used databases. Uh, They were certainly there, but not at the level or sophistication that exists today. And if you wanted one database to match another database so that you knew your product information was uh, the same in both databases, you had to synchronize those. And so GDSN, the Global Data Synchronization Network, um, was a really wild mod even concept uh, back in the 70s but is absolutely unnecessary today because if you want a global database, you put up a file on or you open a database in, in, say, AWS, uh, Amazon Web Services, 
and it is available instantly everywhere. There is no need to synchronize. So just the very foundation of how you populate a database in the 1970s is radically different than how you populate information in 2021. So uh, we touched a little bit, Chad, in our last episode on the GDSN uh, and GS1 and standards and product attributes. Um, We could spend endless episodes uh, talking about the details there, but I'd like um, maybe just you do a couple minutes to help us understand how organizations wrestle with uh, GS1 attributes and where the limitations are, because I want to talk in this episode about the emergence of a third wave that is more adapt and adept at dealing with the digital aisle or the ways consumers purchase today. And so to understand that there are real limitations in the second wave around standards and consensus-based product attributes, how does that manifest in an organization? Like if I'm a manufacturer and I'm making something, why am I just not like, look, I've got EDI and I've got GS1 and, uh, you know, I put my data in, in a big data pool and everything's great. Why is that not sufficient in 2021? Yeah. Thanks, John. So kind of touched on a little bit last time. So let's kind of elaborate and explain that. So if I'm a, if I'm a brand, you know, and it started in CPG, right? Grocery. And if you think about grocery to describe something, it's caloric, right? What's the percentage of fat and things of that nature? You know, and it's funny, I've worked in different systems where in fact, that brand had to enter information into a system based on the XML format of the GSN. Like it's real complex, like you needed to click a button to add this level so that it would go out in the right format. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, do they need to be a savant to be able to just say that this contains 18% fat or trans fat, you know, and there's all these different codes. So there's this technological ramp for them to just understand how do I conform to the standards? That's one. So when when you say that, because that's an important point, because if I make something, if I'm a manufacturer of a product that is aimed at a consumer, I think I know my product really well. And I also know how to convey that product goodness, all the things that describe that product to a consumer. I know it really well because it's my product. And what you're suggesting is, yeah, well, you don't know how to convey it into a digital architecture and environment that wasn't constructed by you, but was constructed by folks in the 1970s. And you don't know all of the detail you need to know to convey that product information. Right. So not only are you, I've got to know my product. Now I need to know where to navigate, click this button. This process does what? I got this feedback. Where am I uploading this digital asset? Where did I publish that? What am I doing? Oh my gosh, I just got to get this product over to get it set up for my my retailer, right? And you're like, I finally got it done. Yes, victory, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden your retailer is like, cool, I need you go on this next system and top it off. And you're like, do what? I need you to go top it off. There's not, it doesn't have all the information. What do you mean? Well, I know you're in one system, but I want you in the other system and I want to add more information to it. Well, I thought you just told me that I needed, yeah, but I need you to do that. So you're like, oh my gosh. So that, that 
Like I just have to do this big process. So even the same people using it are having to do something else. It kind of mirrors my career and path in my talking to brands, right? So they're like uh, that top off is about that e-commerce, right? Typically some very specific or it could be larger than that, but let's just keep it to that small window of e-commerce, right? So, you know, when I first started, I talked to the brands, I call them vendors, same thing. And they're like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do this? And I'd like, well, because, you know, think about it, your retailer needs this and they're going to use it on site. And like, here's your product online. Oh, by the way, here's your product not online and your competitors. Who were you in talking to them? What, why were you in a position to talk to brands? At that point, I was uh, uh, either the person that would configure the system or I was a technical support person. So I would work with the brands for a given retailer in a variety of different um, industries, hard lines, pet, um, distribution, name it, talk to them. I worked for a third party that provided the service to be able to do all of that at that point. And then I'd work with the big brands. You know them out there. The 3Ms, the Stanley Black and Deckers, the Kohlers, name them. I've talked to them. And so this evolution, so we're talking, we're getting to that third wave, right? So they're, they're like that second wave. Okay, I filled this out. I've got to fill out more information. Why am I doing all of this? And oh, by the way, that's, that third wave or that top off is because in that second wave, we talked about that consensus. It doesn't have all the information that they needed or for product introduction, you mentioned it in our last episode, it took so long for the consensus to agree to it to get the attribute added. I can't wait six months. I just got a new product and I got to get it in the shelves and I got to sell it. I got to sell it now, right? And what's even funny when I was in all of that, I would talk to some of these big, huge organizations and you talked about that second wave. They had people that their entire job was just to go to meetings to decide on the academia or on what's going to be what. I'm like, that was their job no other to position themselves, almost like lobbying to get their way. So in that third wave, what happens? Well, now that digital space, it's changing and, and they all have their requirements. Um, attributes are, are happening on the fly. And you know, mentioned last time, syndication is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Well, those channels all are gonna have their own requirements, but I as a brand need to do it. So I need to be able to simply know the goodness of my brand and work with someone to transform or translate that information to their requirements and let me know the results of it. But I need to be able to do it easy, ease, right? I don't want to learn how to do all of this. I simply need to do it. And that's where the third wave happened. And the third wave happened even more because as the digital age expanded, all of a sudden regulatory, and it was there, but things start to penetrate and then all of a sudden become requirements in your life, right? Meaning the sell of your product. We talked about it before, Prop 65, August of 2018. No one knew what Prop 65 was. Now most people shake their head. Yeah. How, how did I know about it? Why should I even know about it? Because I worked with those brands and those retailers and government said, hey, you need to know if a product has cancer causing chemicals or, or birth defects. Yeah, so Prop 65, for those that don't know, um, and the reason it became such an interesting item in in the world of product attributes is that it was a California proposition put on the ballot, and 
it essentially said, does your product cause cancer? Yes or no? And to sell a product in a retail store in California, you had to, if you made a product, you had to answer that question. And it was specific to California, but California is a large market. There's a lot of stores. There's a lot of retailers. And if I'm, uh, you know, we'll pick on 3M. If I'm 3M and I'm selling scotch tape uh, into uh, California, I need to know that 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 information that my product does not contain or does a cancer-causing agent, I need to know and communicate that. As a brand, I know that. Did I effectively communicate it? And the reason it became such a big deal is it sort of hit everybody and in the manufacturing space all at the same time with the same challenge and none of them, I would say, because I was in a... Uh, I was at a distributor at the time. Nobody knew if they were properly communicating the information to the retailers in California or if their products were going to be allowed to be sold. So it became this uh, massive challenge to communicate one very simple thing, and it was very difficult to do. Now, to expand on that, every day, uh, there's retailers all across the globe that are making changes to what they require. Some of it is based on regulatory requirements. So let's say you're tel- selling products through uh, Alibaba, and you're, uh, you know, it's a it's a big marketplace, and and uh, and all of the sudden, the, one of the local governments says to Alibaba, "You cannot sell products if you don't have this information." You may be a U.S.-based manufacturer who now has to comply with a uh, a foreign regulatory requirement imposed by the government, conformed to by Alibaba, a very large uh, uh, digital retailer. And you have to be able to respond to that at the same time that maybe Flipkart or Mercado Libre or Walmart is also changing and complying and asking for more. And so as a, as a brand, we like to think that uh, I grow bananas and it's a very simple thing and I can convey the picture of the banana and the digital content of the banana, the, I like how you said, the caloric uh, indicators of the b- banana. It's this very simple thing, and I just tell Joe at the local grocer what my banana is about, and he puts it on the shelf and it sells. That's not the world we live in anymore. I'm not sure we ever did live in that world, but it was more simple in the 1940s or the 1970s. In 2021, if you're making a product and you're selling on a global scale, the number of changes that occur every day at every retailer you're talking to are almost incomprehensible by humans. And that is what's necessitating this third wave of digital attributes. I think you, you say it very you know, candidly, uh, Chad, is that if you're following the old methodologies for product syndication, sharing product information about your product with retailers and distributors. It is like a box of chocolate. The retailer doesn't know what they're going to get. By the way, oftentimes the manufacturer, the brand, doesn't know what they're sending. And so you have this chaos that is incongruent with creating a sale 
at a retailer anywhere on the globe and even less congruent with delighting the end consumer. So you need a more automated, more intelligent way to parse through all of that information, all of the changes, all of the requirements, and not end up with a box of chocolates at the end of the day that you don't know what you're going to get. So not not to be overly energized about this, but it is, it, it, it sort of, you feel the pain. I know you and I talk about this over beers. Uh, you feel the pain of a brand who's like, how did this happen? When I describe that scenario, I know you've lived it. How do you tell a brand, how did this happen? Well, I, I'd say that, you know, that's kind of like the next evolution when you, you talked about 2015-16. On the career, I had been working with those retailers to, to figure out what they needed to get from their brands and make that a uniform process. The flip side is at the brand level. The brand goes, well, I need to do it for all my sales channels. Mm. How do I do it? Like, well, you need smart technology that allows you to take your source information, which you call it, and allows you to, to, to map it or to get feedback on what it should be to those requirements. Reduce the pain. You're going to have to syndicate. You're going to have to set up products because the data is a conduit to the sale. That doesn't go away. It's not going away at all. In fact, data is a very solid job to be in. <laughs> Love what I do for a living, right? So brand, you know, how does it happen? It really, you've got to work with someone that's smart enough that can guide you, can be your data wubby and let you know where how your data goes and fits into those sales channels and how you have to augment it or change it or, or make it better or, or, you know, Hey, in fact, here's a piece of information that you're going to need to start to think about because channels are asking for it. Right. It's yeah. another attribute. And they're not going to stop. And the, uh, in the olden days, we like to imagine, you know, this very simple scenario where there were just a few retailers and, and you could keep up with those retailer requests for tell me about your product in this specific way. You just can't keep up anymore. And and any brand that is selling uh, in even, you know, a couple of countries, any brand that's doing that is dealing with such a massive amount of change on a daily basis. The retailer thinks it's completely obvious and manageable because if I'm a single retailer, if I'm Walmart, and I make a change to uh, these two attributes that, you know, it's just two attributes. It's not two attributes when it comes to the entire landscape of retail channels that a large brand has to deal with. Humans can't keep up with that. So this third wave, and we didn't, we didn't get into the details, but it, it's the idea of using intelligence, uh, AI, machine learning, uh, augmented intelligence to help the people at brands deal with the complexities of distributing content at scale. And it, I, you know, unless you're really just a, uh, a very tiny soap manufacturer that only provides your product to the local uh, retailer, if those even exist anymore, unless you're that, you don't need the intelligence. If you're bigger than that, if you're selling across multiple retail channels, you better have some AI. You better have some machine learning. You better have some augmented intelligence. 
uh, to help you through it. And I don't want to miss this point either, Chad, is that people like you, uh, the data wubbies, the people that understand the complexities of both sides of the equation, the people that make things, the people that sell things, you guys are invaluable. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, you evolved your career to join Venzi, and uh, uh, our clients are lucky to have you, and, and they know it. So thanks a lot. It's been a great episode, and I look forward to our next. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rethinking Supply Chain, sponsored by Venzi. To stay up to date with our latest podcast releases, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can also learn more about the podcast at RethinkingSupplyChain.com. Thanks for listening.